Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. As Jesus and his disciples traveled along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and the birds in the sky have nests, but the human one has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus said to someone else, follow me. He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Someone else said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those in my house. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. It's just a nice, warm, fuzzy passage for a cold day, right? (laughs) The word of God for the people of God. Okay, so a challenging passage we're going to wrestle with today. Uh, Probably everybody in the room could complete the phrase, the sentence, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, paved with good intentions. They think that that phrase came from uh, two other authors, possibly. Uh, One is a man, uh, a a Frenchman, a monk, a Christian named St. Bernard of Clairvaux, It says, hell is full of good wishes or desires or Virgil's poem, the Ennead. There's a line that says, the descent to hell is easy. The descent to hell is easy. Maybe if you put them together, you get our phrase, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, the good news is, I can verify for you theologically, you're not going to hell for having good intentions, there's nothing wrong with having good intentions. Good intentions are good. In fact, they're a good starting place. The point is that good intentions alone aren't getting it done. Good, good intentions alone don't actually do anything. You need to put your good intentions into action, into behavior, into lifestyle choices, into good deeds. The point is what we do matters far more than what we uh, intend to do. And that's a little bit like dreams, right? Dreams can just be good intentions. Dreams can just be wishes, you know, wishing on a star, blowing out the candles on a birthday cake, unless a dream is translated into an action plan and steps are actually made. It's nothing more than intention. We want more than intention. I quoted this last week. I want to share it again. A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action becomes reality. A plan backed by action becomes reality. So that's the message today, is take action. We're going to wrap up our our emphasis on dreaming big. Doesn't mean we've wrapped up dreaming. We're going to keep dreaming. But the series on dreaming big, we're going to bring it to a close today. And, and we're going to talk about how we take action on the things that we have dreamt about. Now, hopefully, over this month, you've 
thought about your dreams, dreams you already had. Maybe you've dreamt some new dreams. Hopefully you've expanded the realm of dreams. Remember we said that, like that we want to start by kind of widening the possibility, but then narrowing, kind of discerning down what is the, the right dream that really captures your passions, that really fits your life, that fits your God-given abilities. What, what's, the, what's the path God might be leading you on and then how do you act on it? Maybe some of you already have begun taking those action steps. Well, if you haven't, maybe today will be your final nudge to get going on this. I hope you will. Now, I'll, I'll confess to you, the dreaming part comes pretty easy for me. I, I tend to have a pretty good imagination. I know not everybody does. People don't all think the same way. It's pretty easy for me. I, I dream a lot. I imagine possibilities. I walk in a room and I start thinking, oh, I think I, could, I know what we could do in here, right? Um, I, I'm always seeing possibilities. I think I've said before, I love starting sentences with the phrase, what if? What if we did this? What if, what if we tried that? I just get energized by that kind of thing. I, I, in my lifetime, I think I've dreamt countless dreams. But if I'm honest, I've dreamt a lot more dreams than I've ever acted upon. A lot more. In fact, I've probably forgotten more dreams than I've ever acted upon. It's just easier. But one thing I will say for sure, it's probably pretty obvious, that every dream that I have actually pursued and the ones that I've achieved start with some kind of action, right? To become a United Methodist pastor started with signing up for candidacy in the ordination process of the United Methodist Church. Learning to play guitar meant buying a guitar and then signing up for lessons. Learning how to grow bonsai trees meant buying a bonsai tree and killing it, and then buying another one, and killing it, <laughs> but learning from it, and, and continuing to hopefully grow in your understanding and knowledge and skills. My work in Guatemala started with a phone call with a missionary. My doctoral work began with an application to a program. Learning to ride a motorcycle started with me popping a wheelie and running right into an orange tree, and then getting on and trying again. I mean, that's what it means. Dreams begin with faith and imagination and, and discernment and perseverance and prayer, but ultimately it's how are we acting upon those dreams? What are the steps we're taking to accomplish them? And sometimes it's just taking that first step, discerning what that first step needs to be. Ruth Haley Barton writes, the main point of discerning the will of God is to do it. The main point of discerning the will of God is to do it. Now this passage from Luke 9, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'll be honest, for 30 years of preaching, I've avoided it. This is the first time I've ever even referenced it in a sermon, much less based one upon it. And why don't I like it? It just sounds harsh. It, Jesus just sounds un bending, demanding. This isn't the Jesus that I like to tell people about. This isn't the Jesus that I necessarily like spending time with. The story is about Jesus calling people to follow him. Come, come be my disciples. Come with me. And he's calling out to people 
who have homes, who have families, who have jobs, who have commitments. And he says, come on, follow me. He doesn't even give them, give them time to go home and pack a bag. It's, it's, it's do it now or don't do it at all. To one, he says, follow me. And he says, well, my dad just died. I need to go home and, and have his funeral. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead, which seems to me Jesus should know is not something that dead people can do. It's a fairly honorable thing to go take care of your family, right? To another, he says, you know, follow me. And he says, well, let me just go say goodbye to my family and friends. And Jesus says this rather demanding phrase, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. I try to put myself in their shoes. Like, what if I had been there and Jesus said, follow me? And I, I said, well, listen, I, I, there's a couple things I just have to do, but then I'm coming, right? I don't know how I would have dealt with Jesus' kind of hard-nosed, black or white, unbending approach to discipleship. I feel like saying to Jesus, give me a break, Right? These people probably didn't even know they were going to run into Jesus that day. They probably already had plans. They probably already had commitments, things they needed to take care of, loose ends to tie up, and then they'll follow Jesus. But Jesus doesn't seem to have any openness to that at all. Follow me or don't. It just doesn't fit with the, the gentler, cuddlier versions of Jesus that I think we all seem to like, right? The, the old hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Or how many Sunday school classrooms have you been in where there's that picture of Jesus on the wall, probably paint by numbers, and Jesus holding a lamb, you know, and he has blue eyes and his hair's blowing in the breeze, right? I mean, that's a nice Jesus to hang around with. This image of, of Jesus in Luke 9 doesn't fit that at all. Or maybe we should say it the other way. Maybe our images of Jesus don't match the Jesus of Scripture. Maybe we've tried to create the Jesus that we want to follow. A Jesus that is less demanding. A Jesus that is more tame. A Jesus that fits more into our lifestyles. Will Williman is a retired bishop in the United Methodist Church. In this quote, he's speaking to people like me, preachers. He says... Jesus is too often presented by us, preachers, from the best of motives as the solution to all of our problems, the way to fix everything that's wrong in our lives. But Jesus is sometimes the beginning of problems we would never have had if we had not been met by Jesus. Did you catch that? Right? Jesus is sometimes the beginning of problems we would never have had if we had not been met by Jesus. Now, this passage is about discipleship. Jesus is calling people to become disciples. Follow me. And the series that we've been doing is about dreams, how we dream and pursue big dreams. You're like, well, those aren't the same thing. But maybe they're closer than we might think if we've prayed about our dreams. If we believe our dreams are God-honoring, if our dreams use the best gifts and abilities and experiences that God has given us, 
if our dreams somehow make the world a better place, if our dreams bless and benefit someone other than just me, well, doesn't that sound a lot like discipleship? I mean, isn't the part of the whole point of following Jesus to live the kind of life that we were created to live? And if that's not stretching ourselves in pursuit of worthy goals, then I don't know what is. Now, it might be then in following Jesus and pursuing your dreams, like Bishop Williman said, it might be the beginning of problems we would never have had if we had not been met by Jesus. That might just be true. Sometimes it's inconvenient to follow Jesus. Sometimes Jesus leads us out of our comfort zones. Sometimes Jesus puts us in positions we don't think we're qualified for. Sometimes Jesus asks more of us than we're comfortable doing. And isn't that what big dreams do? They stretch us. They push us. They lead us into places we've never gone before. I think in this passage from Luke 9, the point Jesus is trying to make is quit making excuses. I don't think his point here is to be rigid and hard-nosed. I think he just knows that most of us are comfortable with status quo. We're comfortable kicking the can down the road a little bit. We're comfortable waiting a little bit. Let's, let's do it later. Jesus is saying, quit delaying, quit stalling, quit waiting for it to become easier. Do it now. To follow Jesus, to pursue our dreams can be hard. And the truth is, it's easier to just follow Jesus casually easier to just settle for less but Jesus never calls us to a life of ease did you hear that Jesus never calls us to a life of ease if you find a passage of scripture where Jesus is calling you to an easier life please show it to me I haven't found it yet but he certainly does call and he does call us to bigger things than we've ever imagined and he calls us to act I mean, if we're honest, dreaming is easier than doing, isn't it? Even for those of us who don't necessarily consider ourselves to be people with big imaginations, dreaming, sitting around pondering, is easier than taking action. It's easier to imagine the outcomes than to engage the process. It's, it's easier to make excuses than to take responsibilities. It's easier to procrastinate than to act. It's easier to give up than to endure it's easier to accept the status quo than to rock the boat. There's a leadership author by the name of John Cotter who says, no matter what people say, if you look at what they do, it's clear that they are mostly content with the status quo. Now, let's be honest, not every dream is worthy of pursuit. I think that's probably why I've dreamt so many. Like, they're great ideas, but they're not worthy of the time and effort. But the right dreams are. Dream the right dream. Dream the dream God has for you. Dream a dream that, that makes a difference. And it's worth the time. It's worth the energy. It's worth the commitment. It's worth the sacrifice. It's part of living a life worth living. And it possibly even involves you in God's work of changing the world, which we're going to talk about next month. Think about your dream. Whatever that dream might be, it's like a personal invitation from God to you to be part of what God wants to do in the world through Jesus. Whatever that dream is, think of it as God's invitation to you 
to do something that matters, something that's good. What would be the first steps in pursuing your dreams? What would just be the first step? Is it making a phone call? Is it doing a to-do list? Is it getting up, taking a walk around the block? Is it having a conversation with somebody that, that might know something? Is it, is it doing a Google search or watching a YouTube video? I don't know what it, what it might be. What is it that would be the first step toward achieving your goal? Whatever it is, do it. And then do what comes next. And then do what comes after that. Bob Goff has been the author of the book, Dream Big, that we've been looking at through the series. In it, he tells a story of being in Mogadishu, Somalia, pursuing one of his dreams to help young people in that very kind of war-torn place. He's in the capital, Mogadishu, and he gets himself in a situation where he is caught between actual machine gun fire. Two groups of people shooting machine guns at each other, and he's in the middle. He writes, never short on words, all I could muster in the chaos was, yikes. I know it doesn't sound big, deep, theological, but it's big, deep, and theological. Here's why. I've spent my whole life becoming more and more comfortable. I have a house, a car, a boat. Heck, I have a dog I don't even want. What I've discovered is that comfortable people don't need Jesus and don't chase their ambitions. Desperate people do. If we're going to get after our ambitions, God doesn't want us living right in the middle of comfortable anymore. He wants us living on the edge of yikes. God's not leading us to the safest, safest path forward, but to the one where we'll grow the most. And that's a great line. God's not leading us to the safest, safest path forward, but to the one where we'll grow the most. Now, here's good news. I don't think most of our dreams are going to require that we end up somewhere where people are going to shoot machine guns at us. Good news. Most of us don't have to do that. Take a deep breath. You can pursue your dreams without machine guns involved. Okay? Hopefully. Right? But... I mean, from personal experience, I will tell you that following Jesus has led me to places that I would not have ever gone otherwise. And following Jesus has put me in some uncomfortable situations that I would have rather avoided. And yet, that was part of pursuing the dream. By following Jesus, I've literally been able to go around the world. I've gone as far east as Amman, Jordan, as far south as Pretoria, South Africa, as far west and north as a few steps into North Korea. Yeah, that's right, North Korea. I got to go to the DMZ, and there's a place you can actually step across the line and then go back. <laughs> Been to North Korea. None of that would have happened without following Jesus. Now, most of the places I've gone following Jesus aren't places cruise ships or tour buses go, and yet, incredible. Following Jesus has led me to meeting some of the most incredible people I could ever imagine, who've done incredible things with their lives. And most of them will never be known publicly. And they'll never be famous in any way. Following Jesus has expanded my understanding of the world, of geography, of culture, of war, justice. It's changed the way I see things. Following Jesus has put me on the front row, watching people achieve their dreams. 
following Jesus has led me to some excruciating situations, painful situations, journeying with people through horrors that I never would have chosen to participate in, and yet there's a holy privilege in that. Following Jesus has led me to be part of other people's dreams coming true, and that's an incredible privilege. Never forget this, friends. Jesus' invitation is never a request from Jesus to follow us. Jesus' invitation is never a request that, can I come along and bless your life the way you want to live it? No, Jesus' invitation is to follow him. Jesus' invitation is to remember he's Jesus, not me. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation into a whole different life you and I could never have dreamt up on our own, and yet better than anything you or I could dream on our own. What's your dream? What's your dream? And what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. So, Lord, help us dream bigger dreams, but more importantly, to act on them, to persevere in them. Lord, inspire us to live bigger lives, to endure discomfort when we must, even to face danger sometimes, in order to make the world you dream of possible. Call us, Lord, to follow you, and may you find in this room some of us who are willing. Bless our dreams, Lord. Use them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.